Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And we don't have coronavirus. We've got something big for you guys here in this episode. This guest, uh, we recently met him and sat down with him. A guy who went from a story of addiction to now works for his state and helping people come out of addiction. That's an incredible story. But before we get there, we got to give some love to the people who have helped us out and have helped us get to the place where we're at. I've always said this, Brian. Make sure that you, the people that reach out to you um, through episodes like this, let us hear about that. Brian and I, we really do uh, appreciate when people tell us, hey, man, that episode, that, 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 that touched me. Brian, how do you feel when you get responses like that? Uh, it makes me hungry because I think of our biggest supporter being Lazari <laughs> Italian Oven. And I think about how Lazari, they've got all kinds of different things, dishes that are chicken. They've got stuff on the grill. They've got some seafood. Let me tell you one thing that they've got. They've got linguine with, uh, with grilled shrimp. So it's like this, oh, man, it's hard to even explain. It's kind of like a spicy sauce kind of like to me. It almost has a spice to it. It's a it's a thick sauce. It's kind of a cream sauce. It's got pasta in it. It's got mixed vegetables, and of course, it's loaded down with jumbo shrimp. The grilled, shrimp is grilled perfectly. Grilled too. jumbo yeah, shrimp. That's probably my wife's favorite thing there. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorites too. It's phenomenal. So I would encourage you guys to go check it out. The linguine with grilled shrimp. How, how did they get there? there? Well, you get in your vehicle and you drive down to twenty two thirty South Caraway Road in Jonesboro, Arkansas. Or you can call them and you can place an order to go at 870-931-4700. And you know what? Just because you're hungry doesn't mean that you can't take it back to the comfort of your own home. But a lot of times you don't want to be in the comfort of your own home. You know why? Because it's not comfortable. There's a guy named Nat Anderson that can make a change for that. Brian, he just did some work for you. I know we've talked about it on previous episodes. It's a, we're, we're past the, the, the honeymoon stage with that. How in the world is your heat and air doing now? Phenomenal. Why? What did he do different than anybody else? Why did you call him? Well, the fact is he's somebody I knew I could trust. He's somebody that I knew. Nat Anderson's the kind of guy you can depend on. He's going to show up, and he's going to do a quality job each time and every time, and he's going to be there for you guys. So he was there for me. Let me tell you, I had flu type B. I couldn't even uh, come out. I uh, opened, uh, uh, unlocked the, uh, what? Flu? Yes, I had flu. And uh, You got coronavirus? No, this is not a coronavirus kind of pandemic thing that I had. This was back in oh. January whenever coronavirus was something people crack jokes about people eating bats in China. <laughs> and so, um, <laughs> so but Nat Anderson came over. I just, All I did was unlock the door. He came in. He did his thing. He was in and he was out. And I got heat whenever the heat went out in the middle of January. And so you guys need to give Nat Anderson a call at 870-935-1155. I want to tell you guys about another company. Listwithliveoak.com. This is a realty company that's located here in Jonesboro, but you know what? They're not just based here in Jonesboro. They can do anything anywhere in the state of Arkansas. If you find a house you like and it doesn't have a list with Live Oak sign in the, in the yard, call Dustin anyway. He can still show you that house. He can still sell you that house. Whatever you want to do with that house of your dreams, call him. 870-520-2522. Get in the house of your dreams. Hey, there's a lot of good realtors out there a lot of good realtors out there but we're talking about one you can trust is going to get you in the home going to get you in that home 
And so to get a hold of him, we would go to listwithliveoak.com or you can call at 870-520-2522. And the last sponsor we want to give a huge shout out to is our good friend, Dr. April Jones with thedriftedrum.com. She has everything from books, apparel, daily bread. If you guys are looking for something that's inspirational, get that book. The book is called No Mess, No Message. You can find purpose in your pain and in your struggle. She, she, she's just an awesome person, Brian. We Absolutely. got to be good friends with her. You can go to thedrifteddrum.com, put in promo code, crucial, and get 10% off your entire purchase. But that's not it, guys. You can get a free companion journal with your purchase of a book, No Mess, No Message. That way you can write down agree, disagree, whatever you want to do, you can write down in that journal along with the book what has really helped you. Go to thedriftedrum.com, put in promo code, Crucial. and get 10% off your entire purchase. Let's get to this episode. Oh, oh man, Tony, I was really hoping. I got these numbers on procrastination. I really wanted to share with the audience, but since we don't have time, we need to get to this episode. We'll get to it next week. And so we hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Carlton Sherrill. I just now get that. I'm laughing now. <laughs> I was trying to commit suicide. I had even, uh, me and my wife had got in an argument at the time and I had a gun and she was uh, gonna just leave. So I shoot the gun out out, out one of the doors and tell her she ain't going nowhere. She goes to walk out the other door and I shoot out that door and tell her she ain't going nowhere. And at that time, something just hit me. I told her, I said, take this gun before I do something stupid. Well, she put it at at my head and pulled the trigger and the bullet lodged in the chamber. At that moment, I knew that there was something about God uh, that, 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 that my purpose, there was just something. I felt God during that moment at that time. And that was, that was, that, that was at my worst time. Um, I've swallowed um, eight balls of methamphetamine to try to die. I mean, I was, I was left feeling, I was left alive, but I was laying on the ground remembering. I just felt like I was, I was left alive, but I was dead. I was dead alive. And, and that I just wanted, I wanted to be dead. I wanted my life to be over because I was, it was the torture uh, of the drug, how far methamphetamines will literally take you. Uh, it'd take you completely to death. I mean, all the way to the suicide point. I just thank God today that he uh, that he stopped that bullet and he stopped those times that um, I tried to overdose on the pills and on, on the methamphetamines. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Brian, we are here today getting ready to do something. Um, we're going to record this podcast right before our guest goes and does something that he's very passionate about because he lived it. Today we have Carlton Cheryl with... Um, celebrate breakthrough recovery, breakthrough, breakthrough recovery. recovery in Carothersville, Missouri. You have a wild story, and we're here to share it with our guests. One thing, um, I'm just going to call you Carlton. Is that okay, fine? We've heard perfect. so many names here. Yes, right? that's and I'll, perfect. And I'll call you Justin. <laughs> all right, that'll work. That'll work right there. We, we've, heard, we've heard them all, but uh, something that I'm so excited about is whenever we do these podcasts, Brian, we never know who they're going to touch. We might do a podcast where we think, oh, man, we fumbled that one up. Then we'll get a message from somebody saying, 
you guys have to continue what we're doing. And I know this this podcast today is genuinely going to touch somebody. And the reason why things like this touch people is because there's so many people out there that need a breakthrough. Absolutely. And this podcast is here to talk about to the person out there that really needs to have a breakthrough in their life in receiving that breakthrough. And so, um, Justin, if you could please tell us tell us your background, how you came into the church, you know, kind of your life story, and what ultimately led you to be a part of Breakthrough Recovery here Start in Missouri. Start us at the beginning. All right. Well, uh, starting from the beginning as a child, um, I was uh, born and raised pretty much um, uh, in the lifestyle of the streets. Um, I was gave away uh, to a grandmother um, when I was uh, newborn. Uh, my mom, uh, she was a drug user, a heavy drug user, an IV user. And um, my father, I didn't have a good relationship with him because he was pretty much always gone working or whatever it was he was doing. And um, there was always a battle between um, the two grandmothers uh both wanted to raise me one was living for god one wasn't living for god and so i was always being torn back and forth and um so i pretty much uh, the early stages um all the way up to third grade i was raised um uh, at that time with the grandmother that wasn't in church and wasn't living for god and she um uh during that time, she ended up in prison, and that's why I ended up with my other grandmother. My grandmother, uh, she died in prison uh, from willing and dealing in the streets and dope and guns and things to that nature. My mom, uh, still to this day, she's still battling and struggling with her situations. Um, so I ended up in about third grade living with my grandmother that uh, she took me to church, uh, uh, every time the doors were open, I was just a young kid, and so I didn't understand really what was going on. I just went because uh, I was told and made to go at the time. But um, from third to about sixth grade is all I was with her because I was, I guess, a heathen, if that's what you wanted to call it. <laughs> I was a handful. All, all and, boys uh, were when we were growing up. So uh, I was, she was older, so uh, I was a little too much for her to handle. So by that time... Um, they sent me to my father, and um, that's where it got pretty tough there uh, because it was a stepmom, and I was going through things and battles and that whole situation. I never could find myself ever anywhere. During all of this time from a child, um, it was uh, just me and my brother pretty much alone in whatever household that we was in at the time raising ourselves. And uh, whether it was food and trying to survive that and trying to make food ourselves, and coming up with injuries with me trying to do it for us or whatever. And then uh, it just was we grew up on our own. Uh, so by the time uh, by the time we got to to the sixth grade is when they sent me to my parents, uh, to my dad's. And then. Uh, by the time by the time ninth grade was here, I was already dropping out of school. I was drinking, and and that's when that's when it started. Um, the rebellious stage started happening. Uh, was when they sent me to my father. I guess it was my whole life the rebellious stage. Um, so uh, so about that time, um, entering high school, uh, 
I started drinking and uh, willing and dealing in marijuana, just following in the same footsteps as uh, as the life that I grew up in. The, li- the only life that I knew was just how to survive in the streets, fend for your own type of thing. And so I dropped out of school in ninth grade and uh, ended up uh, getting in a relationship, a marriage at the age of 16 years old. Wow. <laughs> and uh, having my first kid. And um, uh, we almost had a um, an abortion uh, with my with my first child. Um, God moved in that way, even though I didn't know about God or didn't know understand anything about it at the time. God moved in that situation and made a way where that did not happen. Uh, we seen that and and realized that we couldn't do it. And so uh, today I have two children. One is. Um, One's 24, one is 21, and uh, at this time, uh, as we had gotten married, um, I was married for 24 years and uh, lost that relationship due to the drugs, Uh, but starting about that time, so I'm, I'm at 16 years old now, about 16 year old is when everything started, uh, seem to be go downhill even faster. Uh, that's, you know, just um, feeling like it was um, cool or it made me feel like somebody, like like um, I had some kind of power or that I was a man and that I was maybe better than uh, the people that I was around um, because I was selling drugs and marijuana and pills and um, crack cocaine and things like that and having money and vehicles and things like that made me feel uh, like I was better than uh, the people that uh, I was around. And, uh, and so as the age of 16, starting to do that, by the time I was 18, I went to get my first job um, uh, welding and I took a welding class. But by then, I had done started using those drugs, and that cost me my very first job was by using those drugs, the, the crack and the marijuana and drinking. And by then, um, me and my brother had separated ways. Me and my brother married sisters, but that's in due time. First off, uh, by the time we dropped, I dropped out of high school, I ran away from home. Uh, when I dropped out, I was in Birmingham, Alabama. I came to Carruthersville, Missouri, and that's where I met my wife at. And um, at that time, uh, I guess during during getting married, and and then ended up started using the drugs and stuff from the moment that we got married, being in the middle of all of that, and God not in the center of that. It was a a battle right off the bat of um, of just what it what it did to me and how I felt um, in my relationship. I never thought that um, I was uh, the husband that I needed to be. I, I didn't receive. I guess uh, uh, at this time, I guess uh, in the marriage, I didn't feel adequate about uh, myself and what I was going through. I wasn't feeling like I was good enough, that um, I was the only one, uh, the one I just didn't feel 
I guess, adequate, yeah. you should say. Yeah. And uh, do so, you think do you think that's what really started your whole drug usage at such an early age? You didn't feel like you were who you were supposed to be, or what introduced you to that lifestyle to begin with? I mean, you you just said that you know you started using. Where was the introduction? Yeah, for the first time, yeah, that's where it was. Feeling hurt and masking the hurt up at 16 years old, not feeling adequate and trying to be that tough guy. Feeling uh, like I'm not, feeling so in love with someone and, and not receiving that same type of love back but being so in love that you go ahead and stay and try to mask that situation and, and to stick into that situation and stay with that love, the love was so strong that no matter, even if you, I was hurting from a situation that was going on, that I would just stick in there and make myself um, uh, stay in that situation and, and then that's when the, then I started trying to mask it. I tried to start uh, making myself feel like the man that I, that I guess I wanted to feel like. And I started using the, I started selling the drugs to make me feel like more of a man and that I had more power over the situation. Or, or I, then I started, then I ended up started using it and, and to cover up the hurt after, after trying to mask it. And I guess really sitting here right now for the first time, that is where my downfall and addiction had came because I was addicted for 26 years. 24 of those years I was married. I've been clean and sober for the last two and a half years. And uh, during that whole relationship, I guess it started there at the beginning of, of falling in love with someone, um, knowing or feeling like I was loved as well, but just missing something in that relationship, missing something. There was something in that relationship that I wasn't, I, that I never received from day one. And in that relationship that I didn't receive, I, I was, was the downfall of, of myself. Like it was me, it was nothing to do with uh, that particular person in my relationship whatsoever. It was all me and what I was going through. And, um, so that's where my where it all started. It all started from falling in love and and just and not even knowing what love was supposed to be about, never been uh, in my relationship in my life growing up from day 1. There was never a a, a, a healthy relationship or a healthy marriage or healthy anything in anything of my life ever. And so this was the first time that I have ever fell in love as a child. And, and, and I loved what it felt like to, to fall in love. So, so I gave it my all at that let me, time. Let me ask you something that I may be completely wrong here. You're, you, this is your life. But as, as a man who's went through this and can look back at it now, 
um, because you're out of it. You're clean and sober now. But if you would have went back to the very beginning and both of your parents were present in in your childhood and you had a father and a mother both raising you, do you think the avenue would be different? Yeah, I believe so. I would believe so more so if they was uh, searching for God, a relationship of their own with God. Um, But now with that said, though, I would not change absolutely anything. And I haven't even got to the start of my story yet. And I wouldn't change anything, though, because of where I am today and what God's doing in my life today. Mm -hmm. Because uh, out here in the world today, the world is full, absolutely full of every, but people are coming from broken, the, the most the majority of the people in the world today are coming from broken homes yeah. without parents and, and, and the addiction and, and everything that's going on in the world today. And, and uh, I, God's using me at this time to, to reach those. And, and so I wouldn't change anything of what I've went through uh, for where God's got me today. But yes, indeed, for sure, if, a structured family would have been uh, would have, would have, there would have been a different outcome for sure. The reason I asked that is because we you you said it perfectly. Just about every home is a broken home nowadays. And the other part I wanted to bring up, you said a lot of this stemmed from you were in love at an early age and you didn't really know what love was, and you loved someone or something that didn't love you back. And so you were trying to find that comfort and trying to find that peace. To our younger listeners that may not be married right now, can you talk about the importance of marrying uh, someone that shares the same values of you in church? Yeah, for sure. Um, Well, now, oh, man, that is the number one key factor to success with your spiritual relationship with God, with your personal self, with your whole life and existence. Getting with someone that has the same goals as you, which should be God first and number one, if they have that on their true heart intentions, you will have a better life, period, whatsoever. Been there and done that and and starting off with um, choosing, uh, just falling in love and not understanding at the time that there was even a God, uh, I had my whole half of my life, these, the last, I'm 42 years old. So all the way up until 40 years old, as a result, the lifestyle that we're fixing to continue to get into is all a result of not, um, not getting into a relationship with someone that um, had God on their heart um, and, and, and just not being equally yoked. Uh, it's 100% damaging. Um, uh, for yourself and your families and everybody around you getting into a relationship that um, has not got a God first in, in all of it that you do. Right. Um, <clears throat> but through all of it, though, there, there is... Um, everybody has to be responsible for the decisions they make. And that even someone raised in an ideal situation sometimes make poor decisions so 
So, uh, like, and I say that just for the sake of to the mom and dad out there that look and maybe listening and saying, "Well, I did everything right, and my child still chose to go down another path." My parents were in that situation with my older sister. They, they, she and I were raised in, in the same situation. We have two different outcomes because of decisions we made. And so, in your life, what were some of the decisions that you made that led you into the past? So, if we could go back to where you were whenever you I think we got to where you were around 24 years old or, or something like that and and and, and through, through through your life and the decisions you made how did it shape those years that have now are behind you well I believe that all of the the choices that I made were hurt uh, I made them out of hurt uh, out of out of um, out of just feeling hurt for something is where all of my choices were coming from. And I, I just really didn't know of anything different uh, uh, or a different way. I didn't know of, of any other way to make those choices. My, I was just blind to the fact that, um, that I, how, to, how to make better choices. Uh, I, didn't know, I didn't know of any other way, any other choices or any other way to make choices than off of reaction, off of how I felt about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Um, but I guess, um, so starting, starting back at when, um, say I was starting around the 24 years old. Um, so about that time in our early, uh, that's after about within the first five years of our relationship, my marriage, uh, we moved to, uh, uh, Memphis, Tennessee and, um, in Memphis, Tennessee, I lived there for, uh, for many years and that's where most of everything went on, uh, we started out uh, using drugs together. Um, again, uh, just uh, uh, having that unconditional love and not re- uh, receiving that back, um, it just started, I started masking it uh, more and more. I got into the prescription meds, uh, cocaine, uh, methamphetamines, uh, really and truly, and that's methamphetamines is where it really got. Uh, uh, the heavy stuff really got into because because um, it alters your mind uh, and it makes you feel exactly 100% opposite of what uh, how what you truly is, feel how you yeah. truly feel so man was that is that was that your drug of choice was methamphetamine yeah and were you selling that as well yeah so you are in this very 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 deep so is this the lowest point of your life? Uh, about that time. Uh, it, not quite yet. Uh, yes, starting to sell it and use it, and it's starting to transform and shape me for who, uh, who I was becoming. Um, uh, I guess that's when it gets in. That's when it starts is um, uh, with um, anybody that's used methamphetamines knows that um, – it may in the beginning it makes you feel good and it numbs you, uh, and then it gets into your sex drive and different things like that. And uh, um, during this part is when it, it the the lowest point starts to begin is um, as I'm under the influence of the drug, and then again uh, having that unconditional love, and then not receiving that same thing back starts to play minds with you the drug starts to play mind games with me with me or anybody at that time and uh so um 
we start uh, we start uh, looking at pornography and watching pornography and um, you know uh, trying to um, fill a void with that uh, together and and at that time that's actually opposite of what I really wanted you know it was just all eyes on uh, my relationship my unconditional love being all eyes on me only and 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 under the under the influence of the drug it starts off with just the opposite of that it starts bringing in pornography and and then um and then into the into uh, phone sex, uh, and this is as a couple together, not me doing it on my own or her, or her doing it on her own at the time. We start doing this together, um, and and with just the pornography alone, it, it it started to not just watching it, but it also it, it became part of our lives where we started to swing and and live in that lifestyle and that nature. And, um, and that's just not a place for uh, true love to be at. Um, the drug just, um, it, like I said, it, it has you doing just the opposite. We lived, we lived that me. life for 12, 13 years or a little more. And um, that just caused a lot of damage. Now, during all of this time, losing jobs and, uh, you know, just the torture on the mind, you know, uh, going to work and, and, and thinking that something's going on in, in your relationship behind your back or just all the way down to, to, to I always was losing jobs. The drug had me losing jobs all the time. And in order to keep that um, and in order to continue that lifestyle, I had to have money somehow, and that goes into a whole nother deal on on how I made money to 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 live, continue living that lifestyle from from stealing and uh, you know there's so many stealing and selling the drugs and and willing and dealing in in the streets that that caused a whole nother um, downfall on. And, and digger deeper in the lifestyle in the streets and just trying to survive and and just coping with all of this stuff um, brings us to the point where where we end up uh, I end up going to jail I was um, in and out of jail so many times I can't count from six months at a time never over six months but I'd go in for six months and I'd get out for about a month and then I'd uh, be right back in trouble again with the law over willing and dealing in the streets with something or another just to try to, to get the next high. And, 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 to, and that process just continually was over and over, um, in and out of jail. Uh, during that time, we had already been married uh, 20, 20 years, and um, that's when um, I, I started to lose my uh, my marriage. Or I'd already been losing my marriage, but that's when uh, she started to seeking a divorce was during these times. And um, uh, about that time, I had uh, one of the last times that I had got out of jail, uh, next to last, um, I haven't mentioned very much about my brother during this time, but that's really when it all fell down, uh, was uh, the last uh, three years of my marriage. Um, my brother, uh, me and him, married sisters. 
uh, from the very beginning. Uh, like I said, I got married when I was 16. He got married when he was 18. So during, during this whole time of my life, uh, the, those 24 years, my brother and my wife's sister, uh, we raised our kids together in the same household. And uh, we all used drugs together. And, uh, you know, it, it, we would steal electricity. We would steal water. I mean, we never paid a bill. We would live from house to house. The house, we would uh, get the money to get in a house, and then we'd stay as long as it, we could until they evicted us, and the police set our stuff out on the curbs. And, and we would just, we lived that lifestyle for, for about the last eight years. And, well, so my brother ends up uh, going to jail for uh, four months for the first time in his life. And when he gets out of jail, uh, his, his wife, she has got in a relationship uh, during the four months he was there and got pregnant and did not tell him anything about that situation. So when he gets out of jail, he thought he was coming home to, to be with his family. And come to find out, that's when he finds out uh, that she's pregnant and she doesn't want to be with him anymore. And from that moment, uh, he was heartbroken. And, and from that heartbreak, within six months, uh, he walked out into a vehicle uh, that I was sitting in the back seat of. I seen his body go up in the air and hit the car. I seen my brother pass away and... Uh, and that was the downfall uh, the, that it just really, really went downhill and bad for me when I lost him and I felt like nobody was there, not even my, the, my wife that I was married to. She was wanting a divorce. My, my brother, the only person that's ever been in my life like that, uh, I seen him die. And, and so I checked my, I tried to check my, well, I did check myself into resolutions and I was trying to c commit suicide. I had even, uh, me and my wife had got in an argument th at the time and I uh, had a gun and she was uh, going to just leave. So I shoot the gun out the, out, out one of the doors and tell her she ain't going nowhere. She goes to walk out the other door and I shoot out that door and tell her she ain't going nowhere. And at that time, something just hit me. I told her, I said, take this gun before I do something stupid. Well, she put it at the, at my head and pulled the trigger and the bullet lodged in the chamber. At that moment, I knew that there was something about God, uh, that, 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 that my purpose, there was just something. I felt God during that moment at that time. And that was, that was, that, that was at my worst time. Like I was, uh, uh, I was going through spells like, uh, with this sexual stuff steady going on in my life, uh, that, that was in our lives that we was uh, interacting with and doing where in the same house that my children was, uh, that my oldest child, I mean, my youngest child was in, like I've just now getting my relationship back with him uh, after these last three years because, you know, six years ago, he witnessed, we went, we, it was very bad. Um, I, we was going through one of those sexual scenes there at the house in a different room than my kid was in. And, uh, I was already going crazy in my in myself and in my mind, um, not wanting these things to happen. And as they did, you know, so so we're arguing and fighting about that situation. And my my wife goes uh, into my son's room, and I'm still naked at the time. And I, I mean, I'm so under the influence and so hurt by everything that's going on. I had a knife in my hand and just saying, you know, if you leave, if you leave, I'm gonna kill myself. 
And, and my son sees all of this and it frightens him to death. Like, like he was, uh, I've never seen anything like it before in my life. Like he was so frightened and he thought I was trying to kill, that I wanted to kill him. And so as they, they go out, leave to go out of the house, I'm chasing them outside with a knife and naked in the, in the, in the community. And, and so, uh, I go as as they just as I see the terror that's on my son's face and the hurt on his face where he's just terrified. I go back in the house and I knew the cops would be there any minute. So I throw a pair of shorts on and jump out the window and run down the street and get, and crawl up underneath the house and just watch the commotion of all the cops and everything going on and I wait until night before I come out. And, and within, within 24 hours of that, um, I get locked up again. And uh, this whole time, every single incident that seems to be going on at this time, God's always trying to deal with me. But I just didn't have a relationship with God. I didn't know what anything. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't have it with him. I just knew that, man, God, he stopped that bullet. Um, I've swallowed um, eight balls of methamphetamine to try to die. I mean, I was, I was left feeling, I was left alive, but I was laying on the ground, remembering. I just felt like I was, I was left alive, but I was dead. I was dead alive. And, and that I just wanted, I wanted to be dead. I wanted my life to be over because I was, it was the torture uh, of the drug, how far methamphetamines will literally take you. Uh, it to take you completely to death. I mean, all the way to the suicide point. I just thank God today that he uh, that he stopped that bullet and he stopped those times that um, I tried to overdose on the pills and on, on the methamphetamines, and and so so that's when when it was all the the worst. I ended up getting a divorce, um, uh, coming out of the, uh, coming out of jail. My wife met me that night as I got out of jail, and she told me she had divorce papers for me. She wanted to take a walk. I knew what she wanted to tell me when she said take a walk. Well, I didn't have any place to stay when I got out of jail. So like I said, at this time, she was still living with her sister. My brother had already passed. They didn't want me in the house. So I went to the back and I was living in sheds and abandoned houses. But at this time, this night that I got out of jail, I stayed in the back uh, in, a, in a shed that didn't have a door on it. And I seen, uh, I seen my, uh, my wife, you know, we had just took a walk to the river and, and had, uh, she said she wanted a divorce. It was over. She, she uh, was getting the papers and that she was in love with somebody else. And, and so I, I'm just worse broken than ever. So I, I go to the shed and I sit there and see her that night. I see her leave with, with uh, this man that she had fell in love with. And uh, that right there was heartbreaking still, just continuous uh, heartbreak, 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 just trying to mask it with drugs, alcohol, just whatever I could find. And, and still just not knowing that what God has for each individual person out here, there's a purpose plan that God has. And I still didn't know anything about it uh, because I was born and bred in the streets and, and, just, and just lived a hurt life, uh, a, not a fulfilled life and just searching for uh, all everything in the wrong places. I mean, um, 
And that gets back to, yeah, if the parents were in the home, then yeah, yeah, most definitely there would have been a different lifestyle. I mean, to any parents out there that's listening, you, you need to be there for your children. I mean, I'm just now getting to the point where I can be be there now. But but my life, I mean, it, yes, the parents need to be there. And if you, you need to be in church, I mean, people run from from the word church but my purpose here today is is to get people in church and i don't Amen. just I, I don't i don't it's not about the word church you reach them with support my life would have been 100 percent different just all by support i never had the support that i needed until i met my wife today davita Sherl, uh and my church family jesus name tabernacle um and during, so during this time uh, that I'm going through seeing my, my uh, getting my divorce, my brother passing away, um, and, and, and not having any support whatsoever and checking myself into a mental, mental institution, uh, I get released from there into, uh, uh, back into the streets, uh, right back to the same thing that I'd always been going through. They don't have a safe place out here like that in this area where when somebody's wanting a, a change, that they got a place that they can go to. And so I'm working on that situation right now. But I was back into the streets and, uh, and back in the same houses and with the same crowd. And so it's just like a, uh, the same routine of a life over and over and over again. There's no changes. You don't know any changes. You're released into the same changes. And, and, and the whole key factor was... Um, uh, God had that divine plan, even though I didn't have a relationship with him, just like he stopped that bullet, like he saved my life multiple times. He put a, a woman in my life that at the time she had back, she was born and raised Pentecostal in the, in the church, Jesus name, where we're at now today. But she was backslidden at the time. She was in a relationship, um, where he left her for another man. She was hurt from that situation. And so she had backslid and she was drinking and she was uh, sleeping, uh, moved to St. Louis and was sleeping with men just to have a place to stay at night. And God, uh, God brought her back to Carothersville and we got together at that time. And at that time, my lifestyle and my thought process I thought every woman was the same, and that's just what every woman wanted was, uh, uh, you know, I guess it just took more than me. I just thought that, you know, that's just what women wanted. So uh, the, in, the very first day of our first relationship with my, uh, well, it was just supposed to be a, a hookup night for, for me and her. Well, needless to say, I never left since then, but... But since then, um, during the beginning of our relationship, my old lifestyle, all that I ever knew, bled right over into this lifestyle with her. She was living that same kind of lifestyle, um, sleeping with men uh, just to have a place to stay and, and, and searching for something in the wrong place. So God put us both together. He, we, we both met. And so in the beginning stages of our relationship, that's where that, that same lifestyle merged. And we was, uh, we started to, to, to allow, we, we started off 
with the pornography. We started off with that, uh, with that opening the door uh, in, in us communicating and talking about our lifestyles and those lifestyles emerging even um, in the swing life or in, uh, in that sexual uh, way where other people was involved. And, and uh, we, was, we just had a start. We had, a, we had something that I never had before. And I guess um, a communication um, understanding for each other and what each other felt like when things were going on that um, that started opening our eyes to how we really really felt um, uh, you know it's man it's almost it's almost not a choice almost in the beginning or or not there's not an understanding on the choice on using the drug the methamphetamine the covering up the hurt I, I at the time I didn't I just did it because I was hurt. I mean, yeah, so maybe it was a bad choice, but I wasn't even thinking of choices. People don't even think of, of the choice they're making because they're hurt from one thing or another, whether it's a broke heart, a relationship, a, a family, or whatever it is, uh, it starts off with that hurt. And so, so just off of reacting off of a hurt and using a drug to mask that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that that's where it all started. Uh, so, so with me and her, uh, I wanted, I, I didn't want to be a drug addict. I, I, even as a kid, when I was a younger kid, when I was playing basketball, I had a future. I didn't like drinking. I didn't like smoking. I didn't like any of that. Um, and, and so like, uh, but, it, but it just ended up that way, you know? And, and with my new wife now, um, me and her communicating and talking and, and God working in that situation uh, without me even knowing it at the time. Me and her come to the understanding that we didn't want that in our life anymore. And I asked her to go to church with me. And uh, we started to go to church. During the time I was going to church, I was still uh, struggling with that lifestyle, with, with the drug lifestyle. We stopped, uh, we stopped uh, involving people in our sex life. Um, and so once we made that step and that choice and stopping that, that's when the healing started from, from all of the damaging things that come with um, involving someone else in your sex life. Um, the porn, uh, we started uh, slowing up off of that and, and getting a better understanding that, that 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 was doing nothing but causing harm in one area or another area of our life. And um, we just started coming together and going to church and and uh, I ended up one last time, one last time going to jail um, in my relationship with her. I went to jail one time and it was God gave me a, a he gave me a taste of of a better life um, uh, with my wife and, and with this church family that I had entered into that uh, that. I was still messing up and out in the streets, willing and dealing, um, trying to reprogram my mind. She was helping me try to reprogram my mind to a different way of living when that's all I knew for 40 years was that other life. And, and so I was still struggling um, the, first, uh, the first year in our relationship uh, with finding a new life. So when you were looking for a church, is this the church you found? Or did you did you have to keep searching for the right church? Okay, so I was my grandmother as I was being raised always took me to the, uh, 
the uh, uh, Wesleyan Church, which is the pastor's brother here. Um, and so when I asked her to go to church with me, that's where I wanted to go. I wanted to go to uh, a church that, you know, I had uh, went when I was a kid. And uh, so we went uh, to that church and... And I had came to this church first, though. I went ahead and came to this church out of love for her. I came to this church, and, and at first... What would you think? I thought they was crazy. <laughs> Pentecostals, I thought was crazy. I, did, I, I sat on the back row and crossed my arms, and I told her, I said, this is unnecessary. I came in, and Michael Burke was preaching, climbing the pews, and, and I, I thought they was crazy. That there, I told her, I said, there ain't no need in all of this. And, and how long had it been since she'd been here? Since when? Since Did your she, wife had been here. Okay, she, uh, she had. That was the first time that she got back into church. She was born and raised in this church. Yeah, I'm just saying. How long had it been since she had been been in an apostolic church? Yeah, how long had she been out? Uh, I believe she's been out. It was about a a year and a half, I about a year so. and a half before she came back, and and so we came here and. Um, since it felt kind of uncomfortable at the time. So we tried next. We went to the Wesleyan Church. And man, like, uh, so we go there and there was not enough movement in that church. Like, I just didn't feel what I felt at this church. So, so we came back to this church and we ain't left since. Uh, I have become the, the biggest worshiper that the church has ever had. Uh, Carry that title. Don't yeah. don't give that title up. Yeah, but, but how did that happen? Tell tell me about going to the altar for the first time. Um, coming to the church, uh, you know. So in the beginning, like I said, I was still struggling um, uh, using for the first six months that I was in the church. There was times that I would I would come in high. Um, I'm telling you, I look like the Walking Dead at the time that I come to church. God is so good. I um, I start God. I, I start accepting. In my life, I always wanted, from the very beginning, I always wanted to be better. I was that type of person. I just wanted to, to do better. I wanted to be better than just the average person. I always, there was something inside me that always wanted me to do right and, and, and to do better and to go harder at that. And, and until uh, I met my new wife, I, I didn't get that support that I needed for that. So, so as we're, as we're working together to reprogram my mind here at the church and starting to come and, and listen to preaching and, and feeling the presence of the Lord and letting God change me, um, I, I would go, I, I started to come to the altar because, you know, it's just as you're sitting in the middle of service and you're listening to the songs and, and things, um, at first, coming to the altar, I, never, I didn't come at first for the first six months. Like I said, I came to, when I went to jail during that first six months in our relationship, something happened in jail. Um, God, it gave me that taste of, of, of a better life. The church family and how the love and support, like they loved me and they, they was, I felt the love. My wife loved me and she had, was giving me she was filling me for what, with what I always wanted and needed in my life. She completed me. And, and so when I went to jail that last time, I thought I had messed up 100%. I thought it was over. Um, uh, the law had got called to the house because I was so messed up on meth and, um, and got caught um, 
buying and selling um, stolen goods. They took me to jail for it. And, uh, and during the time I was in jail, I was in a suicide watch because I was, I was still um, on methamphetamines at the time. And God spoke to me. He told me it was my last chance. Wow. And the day that he told me it was my last chance, it was just as loud and clear. Like I said, I've been to jail many times. Every time I'd go to court, I was alone. Nobody was on my side. But this time, my wife and her, my mother-in-law, when I walked out of court, they was there. And it was just something special to have somebody there, to have the support and the love of somebody that cares enough to stand by your side no matter what you're going through. That's the key. That goes to parents, to relationships, to anybody out there listening, just to be there for, with the support and the love. That right there covers everything and will help right there be the breakthrough that anybody needs out there under the sound of our voice right now. I mean, that was my breakthrough. This is where we are at today under this program that, that I started through this church breakthrough recovery that, that God has just opened up the doors and is changing lives in here right now. It's standing not as number one on God, but the foundation of support and love that comes from being together. That is the whole thing. So once I, once I got out of jail and I seen them standing there and they accepted me, I get out of jail and I walk home. I walk. I walk to the house and 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 my mother-in-law. She she takes me to the the few family members that that are in town and and to see if I could stay there with them. And and they all turned me away. Said no, they're not good. They're, 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 those those bridges are burnt. That's no more. And and my mother-in-law said, you know what? She said, I'm not sending you back out in these streets to continue to live the life that you're living. She said she's seen something in me that wanted a change. So she put me upstairs in her own room, even when her whole, the whole family, nobody wanted me to be with Davida at the time because of the drugs. They've, they've, they've been in church their whole life, so they've never had lived that lifestyle uh, of someone in the streets. And, and you know, I'm, in, I'm selling drugs. I even, there was a point that I even put drugs in my wife's system that she didn't have a clue about and never even lived before. I mean, like, I, I, I did it. I, I put, I put drug, I, I used to sell drug, the, the methamphetamines. I would, they didn't know anything about it, so I would bring it in the house. I would put it in capsules, in the house, uh, in, in capsules and bring it into the house because she said she never wanted any of that stuff in the house. And she had a toothache uh, that she kept hurting over and over. And, and as a drug addict, uh, methamphetamines, you know, that takes pain away too. And, and under the influence, I put it in my wife's system, and she had never took it before in her life. I give it to her, and as I give it to her, it's, it's just start, uh, over, over within um, a, a month, uh, one month period of time, as I'm putting it in her, in her system, um, and, and her not knowing that I put it in her system, you know, from the side effects of the drugs, the paranoia or... or are just seeing things that's not there. Her family started to see that the changes that was in her that was going on in her life. So her sister, she uh, was uh, a nurse, and my brother-in-law is a nurse practitioner. They brung over a drug test to give to her, and uh, and so 
So she went ahead and took the drug test because she had no idea. She said, you're crazy. I don't have no drugs in my system. She went to give the drug test and, and, and she took it. And of course it came back. I was in the bedroom sleeping. She come back there and was hitting on me, telling me, you, you, uh, you, you put drugs in my system. I have methamphetamines in my system. How could you do that? And and oh my Lord, how what a broke heart. I didn't thought I messed up again. I thought it was over. How could I, I mean, the guilt that I had, how could I do that for someone that I love that is everything that I could have ever wanted? She gave it to me, to my spirit. How could I ever do that? She, she, she stood there and she stood by my side. And still to this day, she stands by my side. She, she was there. Uh, we worked through those moments in our communication. Um, and that was just something else that we went through. We went through in my, within the first year of my, I've been married for two and a half years now. The first year, what we went through, um, getting together, um, and starting church, uh, was my drug addiction, my whole life thought process, um, from the sexual things to the drug abuse and, and then just, uh, uh, reprogramming myself and my ways and the way my behaviors and my acts. Um, she stood beside me during all of this time. She stood beside me for those things. Um, and mine and her relationship, she said she always seen potential. My mother-in-law at the time, at the, at, at, towards the end of that, uh, that's when, you know, she put me up in her house. And at this time, the whole family didn't want to have anything to do with me. Um, uh, that goes for the church as well. The church, uh, they opened arms to me, but they, they've told me, you know, they thought that Davida was crazy bringing me in. I was skinny. Um, I didn't have any teeth. My teeth were all rotted out of my head. Um, and, and the, my name on the streets was terrible. And, um, uh, but my wife stuck beside me. My mother-in-law, she didn't like me in the beginning. Um, Does any mother-in-law like anybody at the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and I told her, I, I told her, she said I was the devil. It looked like the devil come out of me. But I sat in the room talking to my mother-in-law when I first met her. And I told her, I said, I said, this is God's will. I said, I feel it that me and her being together is God's will. And from that moment, uh, uh, she didn't like me all the way up until uh, towards here, towards the end. So uh, what is, what does she think now? Because oh, wow. she saw you from the beginning, and she's like, oh, I'm against this. I mean, we, we joke about that um, because, you know, it, you weren't accepted, obviously, on a different level than a joking level. But now she sees you starting the breakthrough recovery at your church. You're helping other people that are addicted. You're, you're the worship person in your church. You're, you're, you're full of God. What does she think now? What do you hope that other people see about you now? Well, for her, she cries every time she sees me, and I see her every day. She's just so thankful that she's proud that I'm her, her son-in-law. And uh, as far as everybody else goes, um, I want them to see the Lord in me. I want them to see hope in me. I want them to see that they don't have to live a bad life. They don't have to go through the struggles of the streets alone anymore. That there's a better way. That there's hope in Jesus' name. And that they that that together. I I, I this is right now my community that that I'm that I'm serving. Like so so I did. 
here towards the end uh, on the glorifying God part, uh, once to me and my wife, uh, after my mother-in-law put me away up in her uh, bedroom, um, she hid me away and she hid me up there and, and uh, the rest of the family didn't know, not even my wife knew. She put me up there in a safe place so that I didn't have to go back to the streets. And during that time, Man, that is when God started ministering to me. I had I had completely surrendered my life. I complete. I I didn't even have a choice in that situation about surrendering to God. God allowed so many things to happen in my life, as you've heard some of those things. There's a lot of other details that we didn't get into that um, God allowed things to happen in that situation to my spirit to leave me left dead alive that by the time he was done with me, I had no choice but to be surrendered to God and what He wanted to do in my life. And so that's when He started ministering in my life. Um, uh, man, that's further I can remember my first song was Chain Breaker uh, by Zach Williams. Uh, just tired of living that same old life, down, going down that same old road. It started ministering to me. And, and, and just, I want to be different and, and allowing God to start just His Spirit just to work with my spirit and then starting to read the Word. I did that for about a week solid in solitude up in that room. But uh, I, had to, I had to make one choice, that's for sure. That choice, that choice was my uh, breakthrough and it's anybody else's breakthrough out there. If you want a breakthrough and you're tired of the same old life, you got to do one step, and that step is stepping out into the unknown, the, the, the part where it feels uncomfortable. You know, everybody's eyes, I knew I was looked down on. I, I knew I was. But you know what? I had to make that choice just to better myself. I had to come to church knowing that, that everybody was looking down on me at that time. And, and I stepped through those doors, and it was uncomfortable walking in. But as soon as I did, it was my breakthrough immediately that everybody made me feel comfortable, welcome home, and glad that I'm here. And it was all, everything that I did uh, in my first stages was super uncomfortable. Even coming to the altar for the first time, how I felt. Uh, it, it was uncomfortable at first, uh, making that um, first, first step into the aisle to walk down to the altar. But as soon as I made that step out, my mind made up that I'm going to that altar. As I'm walking to the altar, God starts ministering to my heart, to my mind, to my soul. Like, like every, that's, that's just where, where, where all the breakthroughs has came. Um, is stepping out in the, into that unknown and, and letting God just minister, just being submissive to God and, and getting out of the way and, and, and trying to control everything. I was always, my problem was I was in control. I tried to control everything. That's all I knew. But the moment you say, you know what? I, I, I'm tired uh, uh, being hurt, broken. I'm, I'm, I'm still alive and I, I've, I don't want to be dead anymore. Uh, and just and, and, and being open to allowing God to work in my life is is when my life started changing, and and so that was during the first the first year of my life. I, I was in church for one year, uh, no, uh, six months uh, before I, I got baptized. The first six months of my life, uh, Hallelujah! The first six months is when I was. Um, I was coming to church, I would miss some, I would come, but 
Uh, that was the first three months is when it was like that. The, then within that last, the six months, the, the three to six months time period is uh, I just started coming to all the, the church services and, and uh, God was already working on me, like a work in progress. Within a year, I got baptized on um, uh, Christmas Eve night. And um, man, I had the Holy Ghost at, at that point. I felt the Holy Ghost all over me, and it changed. That's when my life really, really changed um, and from getting baptized and um, uh, just repenting, you know, just just asking for forgiveness and repenting, you know, and changing my ways. Like, like I was able to change my ways with my local church, with my church. My church showed me how to change my ways, and by me changing my ways— I was getting different results than going to jail or being heartbroken or going through torture from this or that or the other. And so, the, again, the support of our church, my church, is um, it, it, during this first year is what helped me to retrain my thought process. They supported me. They helped me. They helped me with with getting a job. Uh, I never, uh, I never had that. Like as soon as I got out of jail that last time, my church family got me a job. Um, they, uh, they cared. They was always checking on me and they was there for me, helping me, uh, giving me the love and care that I needed to, to, and that those things is something that I never had. So, so that's where I searched in drugs and things, but with that, with that love and support of what, uh, of, of God's people and the church, that's, that gave me something that I didn't want to use. I, 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 it gave me that, that drive to just go another day without using, and then another day without using. And the next thing you know, I'm not using anymore, and, and I'm delivered from it now. I mean, so within that, fir by within that first year, and, and, and going to church, and within the first year, I learned that the, uh, coming to church and letting God work in my life, let him, let, let me not doing it my way and, 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 and learning a an, uh, relationship with him, learning that the support and the love of my wife and my church family was what got me um, my breakthrough is where the, the foundation of what is going on today and breakthrough recovery. And breakthrough recovery started one year ago. Uh, one year ago, I, I started Breakthrough Recovery um, in, 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 the local, in, in our church, Jesus Name Tabernacle, here in Carothersville, Missouri. And, and it's just, um, uh, I started it off, you know, it, it, with what I went through. Everything that I had been through, I knew what had, what, what had worked for me. And that was love, un, unconditional love, support, and being there. And helping me achieve whatever it is that I needed to achieve to have a better life. So I, I started that group on that foundation. We started out with four people. And within four people, within this last year that, that we've opened the, uh, opened the group, um, within the first six months of opening the group, God had opened it up to 20-something people and... And at that time, I was still doing construction work. I had, um, uh, I had, I've had ever since I found God. I haven't, I haven't um, applied for a job yet. The first one God brung to me, uh, being a dishwasher for a Mexican restaurant. The second job was a construction company came to me and offered me a better job, and I took it. And uh, 
And that job there that God brung to me, he brung to me with a very good, great man, John Russian, uh, in my life that has now passed away. But during the, the year that I was able to work with John Russian, he taught me a, how to, to work on a relationship with God through prayer and the power in prayer that has shaped and molded me for who I am today. And, and during that time, uh, with, as far as breakthrough recovery goes, this last, uh, this last year, um, how God is just filling and straight reviving people out of this. Um, I, have, uh, I have a new job now, uh, which is, is now like God, like you have no idea what God's got in store for you out there. That's like right. you think you may know and you think you know what your heart may desire, but you never know what your heart truly desires Amen. until God gives it to you. Amen. And then you'll be like, wow. And, and God knew that, you know, this lifestyle that I lived, like my passion today, God knew it because through this, he started, he's the one that put all of this together and orchestrated this breakthrough recovery. And and now after a full year of, of being in breakthrough recovery, he has opened up a job slot for me to be a full-time pa recovering pastor, a minister and, and in recovery uh, for the state of Missouri. I work for the Workforce Development Board, which the state of Missouri gave a grant money for an opioid crisis here in Missouri. Uh, down here in the southeast boot hill of Missouri uh, was a, a real bad area of, of suicides and deaths and just all kinds of uh, the terrible things that's going on. And so I was the, f the first one to be hired in this region on an opioid grant to be a certified peer specialist, which is uh, an in what I do is I'm, I'm a specialist at um, individuals and, and helping them achieve all the way at the bottom where I had been, like with nothing, homeless and hopeless, being able to bring them into a loving uh, home and a family that loves and supports and builds your spirit up from there into and helping you uh, to achieve a job. Um, we've got classes like this Breakthrough Recovery has got, this is the, the branches that's come off of it. We have like an interview preparation class that, um, that starts today that helps um, the individuals to get the uh, jobs and even before that like I help them if they in most cases they don't have a driver's license or a social security card or a birth certificate or, or even know how to do a resume so I help them achieve all of those things and then help them help them in the housing uh, we have ho uh, houses donated to the church in this ma ministry in the last year where where we have recovery houses that we we do our time we invest our time in on building those up for for individuals in the group once they get to that part of their recovery once they get their job we get them into a house um, and it's just a process. Recovery is a process. And, and God has brung so many resources into this situation where I'm not only able to do this full time, He has uh, gave me uh, through, through the same opioid grant an assistant to help me in this breakthrough recovery uh, ministry to help, uh, help with any area of this that we need help in. And, and that goes for like, we're, we're training, we hit, we're doing something every seven days a week. It is so important to stay busy in, in, in the attic world. If, 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 when you're not busy with doing something, you, the devil's gonna have you doing something that you don't need to be doing. And so like, we just try to, we've got, all of it's a retraining your mind and your lifestyle choices 
process. So during the day, Monday through Saturday, we either we're doing volunteer work uh, for the church or church family, or we're, we're doing jobs like we do on the job training for, for, to help uh, individuals increase their job skills and things like that. Uh, during the daytime, um, uh, we have individual sessions during the day where uh, whatever a person's going through or whatever their needs are, we do that. Um, we have companies that literally, that uh, here out of this group, we have uh, Chris Shelton, that he has um, opened his own small business, construction business, and he hires only people out of the group. We have other companies like that that do the same thing out of this group, where if you're a part of this group and you're trying, that there's help here for you uh, with, with jobs and houses and and just your spirit like like if you ain't got if you ain't got anything in your life if you're feeling yeah if you're feeling yeah. like you you don't have anything this is the place to be just mm -hmm. is to come come and be a part of something that uh, that is magic it's full of love and care um mm. I, I see you've got a board over here that's got a lot of names are those the names of people that are in the group those are, uh, yes, names that's on the group and names that we're praying for. That is a Breakthrough Recovery Prayer Request Board. Um, and how many names about are on there? Because I see you've got enough, you've got two 70, whiteboards. Pro probably 70 names wow. on there right now. What a blessing and, that, that even through the state, now you get funding to do what you do. Yes. It, 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 what God has done in your life is unbelievable. Yes. Absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, it, it's it's absolutely Except amazing. Except that you're here, and obviously it happened. It's one of those things. It's like it's almost unimaginable. But this is the life that that you have. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yes, I mean, and that's just another thing you give to God. If you just like put put yourself to the side and let God have His way and His will in your life. Like I didn't even apply for this job. I was actually uh, had took off early of my construction job, and I was in Hayes shopping for what I was going to eat that night. And I got a phone call from the state of Missouri, um, which all come through our mayor because um, this whole thing about an addict. We're misunderstood a whole lot, yeah. uh, uh, and and that's my whole thing in this community is I want to change everybody's mind about the the addict and the person that's come from a broken home. So um, how I got this job was through the mayor. I had got the I had got our group together. The mayor asked us if we could do something for them. So we went to we went out and took care of some business uh, for for the mayor. And so this job uh, that God orchestrated. This opioid grant came to Carothersville and got with the mayor, and, and she asked the mayor, would there anybody fit the qualifications uh, to work as a peer specialist? And, and the mayor said, well, you know what? I got this guy named Carlton uh, that can help. Well, she called, so she gave her phone number. She calls, and as the lady's sitting there talking to me, uh, it was kind of all over my head, and so I said, "You know what?" I said, "Why don't you Why don't you meet me at the church and meet with me and my pastor, and let's see Let's see where it goes." And just how you know that was God of God, she was uh, pulled over in front of our church whenever she made the phone call to me and didn't have a clue where I was at. And so she said, "Well, I'm already here," so I said, "I'll be there in just a minute." So, so we get here and talk, and wow, that's that's divine direction right there. Amen. Yes, wow. it was. And, and so from, from that moment of, of, of God opening the door of me working full time for recovery, 
in the last two months, God has busted the doors wide open. I mean, all the way from not just this podcast, but we just had our um, our first public uh, resource meeting, and uh, it was the first one that that's ever been done in this area. And and. Again, this is all of God, but, you know, me coming from where I came from, I, uh, I understand the needs out here in this world. Like when, when you're coming from a broken home or you're homeless and you're hopeless and, and what the things that you need to achieve a better life, I understand that. And I mean, because I've lived there. And so um, with God and the resources that He's put into my life in the last two months, we just had um, almost 200 people wow. from the public show up just here for this one I meeting. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. Your place was packed out. Yes. So that tells me what the enemy tried to destroy you with. God is making it to where others can come and be saved in His yes. name. Yes. Well, it's for like sure. what you said before. Looking back, you wouldn't change any of your story for where you're at now. Yes, our group right now, as we speak, so we've got we have a on Monday nights at six thirty. We feed the public uh, for the group. Hey Brian, it's Monday. All right, six thirty <laughs> food. <laughs> seven o'clock is session, and uh, and what seven o'clock session is about is we just sit around in a group uh, of of people who just want a better life. And, awesome. and so we just sit around and talk about uh, what we may be going through or, or different things. And, and it's just like uh, it's something special that you just have to get a chance to see because, again, recovery is for any and everybody. I mean, it can be I've got people that's been church hurt that's coming, whether it's they've lost and, and grieving, depression, anxiety. So you don't have to be just addicted to no. drugs to come. No. So if somebody appeals, none of that. If somebody wants to come and be a part. How did, what's the first step they need to do? If there's somebody in the area that's looking for what you're offering, how do they do it? They have to make the first step to reach. We won't know that they need help and not unless they reach for it. Can they just show up? They can just show up. How do, they can contact give, me give, on yeah, Facebook. Us, perfect. Give Carlton us your contact. Sherrill, yep. uh, look me up on Carlton Sherrill uh, or on Facebook. You can go to Breakthrough Recovery and Support. We have a page there that you can uh, message us on there. What's the uh, address here to where you guys meet? 1400 Highway U, Carothersville, Missouri. And again, if you need a ride, we're shuttling right now from Carothersville, Hayti, anywhere in these areas, we're shuttling right now. Um, so let me get this straight. You go and pick them up. You'll feed them. You'll talk to them. You'll love them. You'll be there for them. What are you guys waiting for? You're hurting right now. You don't have to live like this anymore, bro. That's right. You have lived through this for how many years? You said 30 some odd years. Yes. How much greater has your last two years been than your first 30? It's the best thing in my entire life that could have ever happened to me. There is hope in Jesus' name. Amen. And look, we don't. We got more than that going on. If you need clothes, we've got clothes on hand. If you need food, we've got it on hand. No matter what the need is that you got, I'm telling you, we have it on hand right here. Housing, work, 
jobs. It doesn't matter. We have access to that immediately. If you're really wanting a change, you're really wanting help. If you reach out, we have the resources to help you with whatever it is. No matter if it's socks, if it's hygiene, uh, no matter what it is, just if you just feel lonely, if you're heartbroken, you need somebody to talk to. We're here 24-7. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is, what time of the night it is. We're here to support you. If you just need someone to talk to, and that's a huge thing. Most people would just want to just they'll just use. Well, I'm telling you, if you're if you're really trying, you can contact me. I'm here 24/7. My phone number is 573-752-0547 and you can call me any day time of the night. If you don't want to use and you just need somebody to talk you be there to to listen or to help talk through those moments of addiction where you want to use, uh, we're here for that. I mean, this this ministry is here for you, and, and that's what my passion is, is to help people in any area of their life whatsoever. You don't to, have to live like that anymore. No. There's, there's life after addiction. Yes. There's life. There's life after everything. If you're just feeling lonely, if your heart, uh, if you're just heartbroken, if your church hurt, uh you know, no matter what it is, from addiction of pills or or the addiction of methamphetamines or marijuana or alcohol, uh, depression, suicide, uh, anxiety. I mean, I just, it's for everybody. I want to say this before we wrap up, Brian. Wrap up after this, but if you're if you're an addict out there and you feel just like Carlton felt, lonely, that nobody loved you, that you're alone that nobody cares for you, that there's nobody on the face of the earth that cares a thing about you, I'm here to say that that's a lie from the enemy. Yes. Brian, we love them. This podcast, we love you. I know, Brother Cheryl, you love them. You were in that place. Let the ones who love you, let them do that specifically. Let them love you. Find someone, specifically a church, a Jesus-named church, that can wrap their arms around you and say, look, you're, lo- you're lonely no more. You're welcome here. You're our family. Brother Cheryl, you have unburdened yourself with us, and I thank you so much for taking time with us. Um, I've learned so much, Brian. <laughs> Love on somebody. Give somebody a message of hope and encouragement. Uh, speak directly to somebody here in this wrap-up and, and just really connect with somebody out there that needs a breakthrough. Well, I just want to say right now that that there is hope and love that that if you'll just accept it, that it's here, right here, for sure, at Jesus' Name Tabernacle, at Breakthrough Recovery, that, that uh, me and my church and my church family Our church is surrounded and full of the breakthrough that you need. Like, there is true, there truly is a better life than what the, the, the torturous things that the enemy is using against you. And, and that he, he's doing everything in his power and in his might to keep you from stepping out in faith. And look, obviously and honestly, one time you for your own self for yourself because most of us when we're in heavy addiction we're not even thinking about others but for our self there is something that you can receive yes 
all, all of it, just right here. Like, I mean, before you try to commit suicide or, or before you try to use another time just to cover up whatever it is that you're going through. Like we have, that is what we specialize in here is, is of the world, the things of the world and what it does to you and how to overcome. So I just want to just tell you right now that I love you, that we love you, and that if you'll just give yourself that one chance yes. to reach out to us, to, and I promise you, and I can guarantee you in the name of Jesus that you will feel something special that you ain't never felt before. And if you don't believe me, try and test Jesus, because I'm telling you right here and right now that right here at Jesus Name Tabernacle at Breakthrough Recovery, we love you, and we want to hear from you, and we want you to reach out to us because we can and will together live a better life. Amen. You know, if you're out there right now and you're considering not going to church because you're afraid of the way your church people's going to look at you, our pastor says the perfect thing. Our church is perfectly unperfect because you're a part of it and I'm a part of it. Everybody that is in the church is not perfect. And with you being into the church, you're making our family bigger. This is a house, Amen. a house for sinners that that the biggest thing is most people say that that well when they get right, well when I get right, I'll come to church. This but is the perfect place to get right. Yes, you got to come to come to to be in this atmosphere where people are trying to get right. This is a process as I told you, I was still using during these times as I was coming, but now through coming to church, I have found a better way. This is a better way of living. Amen. Basically, church just teaches you how to live a better life. If you put put all everything else to the side, living a better life than what the streets show you, this is the other avenue. Just give it a shot. This has been The Crucial Conversation. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation podcast.